Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. And I'd like to begin today by turning our attention to Acts chapter 5, and some lessons to be learned from events of that chapter concerning what I'm going to call principles of obedience. We're going to begin with a rather lengthy reading from Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 42. The passage tells us, And at the hands of the apostles many signs and wonders were taking place among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's portico. But none of the rest dared to associate with them. However, the people held them in high esteem. And all the more believers in the Lord, multitudes of men and women, were constantly added to their number, to such an extent that they even carried the sick out into the streets and laid them on cots and pallets, so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on any one of them. And also the people from the cities in the vicinity of Jerusalem were coming together, bringing people who were sick or afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all being healed. But the high priest rose up, along with all his associates, that is, the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with jealousy, and they laid hands on the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord during the night opened the gates of the prison, and taking them out, he said, Go your way, stand and speak to the people in the temple the whole message of this life. And upon hearing this, they entered into the temple about daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest and his associates had come, they called the council together, even all the senate of the sons of Israel, and sent orders to the prison house for them to be brought. But the officers who came did not find them in the prison, and they returned and reported back, saying, We found the prison house locked quite securely, and the guards standing at the doors. But when we had opened up, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them as to what would come of this. But someone came and reported to them, Behold, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain went along with the officers and proceeded to bring them back without violence, for they were afraid of the people, lest they should be stoned. And when they had brought them, they stood them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name. And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered and said, We must obey God rather than man. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior, 
to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. But when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and were intending to slay them. But a certain Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. And he was slain, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. And so in the present case I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or action should be of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. And they took his advice, and after calling the apostles in, they flogged them and ordered them to speak no more in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day, in the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. I look at this account and marvel at the courage of the apostles and wonder if I would respond the same way under similar circumstances. At the same time, I also see three basic principles of obedience to authorities that can be gleaned from this section of Scripture. First is that, as a general rule, we are to obey the laws of the land where we live. It is obvious that throughout the world a major problem that exists and the root cause of a whole lot of other problems is a lack of respect for authority. The book of Judges tells us what happens when there is no respect for authority. The book ends with the words, In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. When everyone does what is right in their own eyes, chaos reigns. So we must obey our civil government, but not because the government is always right or always good. The government under which Paul and Peter wrote was the Roman government, with Nero as emperor. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 17, which tells us, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority, or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Act as free men, and do not use your freedom as a covering for evil, but use this as bond slaves of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. My friends, we must obey the laws of the land, not because we agree with them, or even because they make sense. We obey because it is God's will. Paul wrote that civil government is from God in Romans 13.1, and Peter wrote, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. The second principle is the exception to the general rule of the first principle. 
We are not to obey man's laws when that law directly conflicts with God's law. Directly is a very important word there. In Acts 4 and 5, the conflict was clear. The men said, don't preach or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But God had said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. In the Old Testament, Pharaoh said, kill the newborn Hebrew sons. But God had already made clear that murder was wrong. Just consider the case of Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. Today, in various countries, it is illegal for Christians to assemble together to worship. God has said that we are not to forsake our assembling together in Hebrews 10 and verse 25. When the conflict is direct and obvious, the one who is committed to the will of the Lord has no choice. We can't ask what is safe or what is popular. It must be what is right and then act accordingly. In the United States, many things the Bible teaches have become extremely unpopular. To use an overused phrase, politically incorrect. There is also the biblical principle that we are to become all things to all men so that we might save some. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 22. That means that we are to accommodate ourselves to the society in which we live as much as we can without sin. However, there are lines that we cannot cross regardless of what is popular or what is politically correct. We have seen and are seeing what happens when a righteous people do not speak out and teach the truth on a subject loudly and without wavering in the incredible success of the homosexual movement. It is not popular to condemn homosexuality, but the Bible has always taught that it is an abomination before God. Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, and verse 18. To teach the whole counsel of God, we must stand up at every opportunity and state the truth about that particular sin among others. Since it is a serious matter in the sight of God to go against the civil authorities, Take care to distinguish between what we do not like and what God does not like. If I personally do not like a certain law, but it is not in direct conflict with God's revealed will, I am required to swallow my pride and even stubbornness and submit. If, however, I am convinced with all of my heart that a certain law is contrary to the will of God, I have to be willing to stand my ground and be prepared to pay the price. The words of Peter and the other apostles need to be indelibly written on our hearts. We must obey God rather than men, as Acts 5 and verse 29. It is not perhaps we will or it would be good to, it is we must. The third principle is probably the most basic and perhaps the most difficult of all. At all times, even when we must conscientiously disobey a specific law, it is imperative that we show respect for our civil authorities. Peter and John were respectful when they stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4. Peter and the other apostles did not resist when the authorities came to arrest them in Acts 5. They were respectful. Peter clearly wrote in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 17 that we are to honor the king. This means that in every aspect of our dealings with the government, with the one exception of any law that we cannot conscientiously obey, 
we will be respectful, courteous, and scrupulously submissive. If there is a law that we cannot obey in good conscience, we will go to every possible length to make it clear that we cannot obey it because we desire to obey God, not because we desire to be rebellious. Let's just think about abortion for a minute. No Christian can have any part in murder, and that is what it is. However, the actions taken by some in the name of Christ have been appalling. Officials have been attacked, property destroyed, and even people killed. There are right ways and wrong ways to voice our opposition and seek to abolish its legal practice in this country. Education, legislation, and the offering of viable alternatives are possible approaches. It is important in showing respect for civil authorities to remember such things as what Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed, to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men. Look again at the relationship with the apostles in the Sanhedrin. Before the council, they were bold, but not hateful. When commanded not to preach or teach, they simply kept on preaching and teaching, being ready to accept the consequences. It is important to remember that people can go to heaven having lived in a country with bad leadership, but they cannot go to heaven without Christ. Really, this most basic principle applies in all areas of submission. The New Testament has much to say about submission to authority. All of us to Christ, wives to their husbands, children to their parents, workers to their employers, and to each other. As Christians and members of a local congregation, we are to submit to the leadership of the elders. We are to be submissive to all authority whether we're talking about the principal and teachers at the school that we attend, our bosses at work, or the civil authorities. In all of the relationships I just mentioned, the possibility does exist that we may be told to do something contrary to God's word. A Christian who is a wife might be asked to participate in ungodly activities with her husband. An employer might make it clear that unless we turn a blind eye to certain illegal or unethical business practices, we will be fired. In all such situations, we must obey God rather than men. Again, we must learn to be graciously submissive in everything except that which is directly contrary to God's revealed will. In preparing this episode, I came across a story. I really don't know if it is exactly true or not but it had to do with a well-known writer from the early 3rd century whose name was Tertullian. Tertullian was a member of the church and looked to as a leader. Some other Christians were complaining to him about the pressures being put on them as Christians. They said, if we do not go along with the authorities, at best we will lose our income and at worst we will lose our lives. Surely God does not want that. After all, we and our families must live. It is reported that Tertullian looked at them for a moment and then asked, must we live? When you think about it, we have introduced many musts into our lives. 
We must have certain things. We must be financially successful. We must be happy and on and on. Actually, there are very few must in our lives. But one of them is we must obey God. Words to think about. Thanks for listening.